I love being able to tell a story and make a brand come alive online. They may think of Facebook or social media as just that extra thing that's not as important. But when you are really trying to brand your company and show people your company's personality and your integrity and your honesty and your hard work ethic, there's no better place than to share that than through social media. These days with everyone spending so much time in Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, that's where they're looking for your company now. They're going to check you out on social media first. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. I'm Molly Nolan, and your host for today's episode, joined by social media expert, consultant, and founder of Content Fresh, Deborah York Salisbury. Deb shares with us her take on how to make the most of your social media channels in 2022. From what platforms are most efficient, engaging with your potential customers, focusing on campaign spend, to trends that she's seeing in the year ahead, and more. No matter your personal feelings on the world of social media, the impact it has on your business and lead generation potential is significant, and its presence is here to stay. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Out of the Hourglass. Today, we are joined by Deb York of Content Fresh. Deb is a social media consultant and founder of Content Fresh, a digital marketing agency specializing in social media strategy, content creation, website development, and so much more. Deb, welcome. Thanks, Molly. It's great to be here. Well, we are, we're really happy to have you and we're happy to talk about how to make the most of your social media channels in 2022. You know, we are in the midst of 2022 planning from all facets of every department, from marketing to sales to overall, what does the year look like? And so there's no better time than to think about social media strategy um, than now. But before we dive into that conversation, Deb, tell us a little bit about you, your current role, and how Content Fresh came to be. Yes, Content Fresh is a passion of mine. I've always been a great writer, and I have loved technology since I had a role at a dot-com back in the late 90s and early 2000s. I was involved in a dot-com and got involved in the very first social media, which was stock trading message boards at the time. I loved the power I could see that would happen between conversations that happened between real people over the internet. And so I continued my career, moved to the Mobile, Alabama area, where I am now, was a communications director at several places, including a construction company, before I launched Content Fresh, which I did in 2009. So over 10 years, I've been working strictly in this space, learning about Facebook ads and Google marketing, SEO, and website development. So you've really seen like the ride of where social media started and now where it's at. And it, it's been quite the ride, as you can probably attest to. It, it really has. It's come a long way. The technology has changed. And now we have these computers in our hands that we carry around. Mm-hmm. And it's really changed the way you need to look at your marketing spend and your marketing budgets. So at Content Fresh, I mean, you guys are always 
having to be on, on the ball of what's, what's the new trend, what's happening next. And you're doing so, you know, for your clients, what are the types of small businesses that you currently uh, work for? I work for a lot of home contractors, painting companies, roofing companies, landscaping contractors, anyone that goes into the home that needs leads on a regular basis. I'm able to find those leads online and deliver them through their website or to actually their calendar to schedule appointments. So you're the lead generating wizard, it sounds like. (laughs) Um, What are you most... And I think I probably know the answer to this, but what are you most passionate about in the marketing space and what you do? I love being able to tell a story and make a brand come alive online. One of the things that's really critical that people sometimes overlook that they may think of Facebook or social media as just that extra thing that's not as important. But when you are really trying to brand your company and show people your company's personality and your integrity and your honesty and your hard work ethic. There's no better place than to share that than through social media. And people really take that that opportunity when they're on the platforms to look you up. And we found that even websites are important, but these days with everyone spending so much time in Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, that's where they're looking for your company now. They're going to check you out on social media first now. It's what some of the statistics are showing. So it all comes back to that brand awareness factor and what kind of presence do you have? Is your culture shining through? Um, are, are you, are, are it, is your presence you know, persuading someone that they would want to work with you? Right. And And for a lot of people I work with, you have to, you have to separate your own feelings about social media to what is right for your business. Because a lot of times, it may not be very important to you what happens on Facebook. But it is something that's out there that 75% of the online Americans are doing every day. It's such a good point. I mean, we know that the social media world has its pros and it has its cons. And there's also, there's always, there's a reputation there at times, there's traps that you can fall into. And so I, I, I completely understand, you know, the feeling that some people have of just not wanting to be involved in it, but for your, for your company, it's important. And so I think that's, you know, that's why we're having this conversation today is making sure that you're utilizing the power that social media and more specifically Facebook uh, can bring to the table when it comes to lead, you know, lead generating and helping boost your overall presence uh, from a brand awareness standpoint. So before we dive into, you know, talking about the power of social media, which is, you know, why we're, we're of, of course, uh, meeting today, let's just pull back a little bit and get your perspective on general marketing. What do you recommend to your clients um, that, that they, as small businesses, should be spending on marketing annually? The best way to figure out how much to spend in marketing is to look at your overall projected revenues and then spend about 3 to 5% of that on your marketing and advertising efforts. Some of the traditional methods for advertising, such as TV and radio, cost a lot more than the social media approaches. But they're still important, especially in many smaller towns and smaller markets where 
everyone still watches the local news and local TV channels. So you want to make sure you are where your people, your audience is going to be. And that complements your other strategies. So whenever you are doing a TV and radio ad and you mention your website, for example, or find us on Facebook with your company name, that drives traffic to you online and people will oftentimes go there when they're listening. And then when you've got those cookies and those pixel is what they call it, the Facebook pixel tracks you from wherever you go on Facebook, you go visit a company, it also knows that um, you've been there so that when I'm targeting ads, I can target people who have visited your Facebook and also see your website. So it's a great circular effect once you have your name out there in the public. And once someone visits your website, we can retarget them on social media. Uh, the world of retargeting, no matter how many times I hear about it, is always so fascinating to me. Just that the power that the internet has to, if I've gone to one site, to then have that that brand follow me on Google and other sites or on Facebook, it's it's wild. Uh, but it's such an amazing tool for for marketers. I mean, you're you're basically able to put your brand on on a pedestal for this person wherever you go. Right. You know, I think one of the things that people tend to think of that is big brother and, oh, it's, it's something that is sort of bad, but in, on the other side of it, it's kind of nice to know that if you're interested in something, you're going to see the ads of the things you're interested in. So you don't have to see ads about things you're not interested in. You'll see more things of what you are. So if you've been checking out painting services on Google, then the painting companies in the area can show their ads to you. It's a very positive way of looking at it. But I, I would think right. that you would you would have the positive, the positive response to that. That's for sure. Um, but that is that is very true. It's nice to see things, you know, when you're scrolling or, or searching of the things that strike your interest as opposed to things that you don't want to be seeing on your feed. Now of that three to five percent. I know that you would recommend companies spend on, on their marketing efforts. Approximately how much are you recommending is allocated just towards digital marketing spend? You know, the best way to explain this, Molly, would be to explain it from the standpoint of one of my customers. Pro One Painters is a company here in Mobile, Alabama, that's the largest painting company in our area. They have about 2.4 million in revenues. And their digital online marketing spend is roughly about $3,400 a month. So their total marketing spend is more like $11,000 a month. So the social media part of that is representative. I, I'm not really um, strong on the math, but it's about a third it look, you know, of their total ad spend. So... I think that is where we're able to get a strong amount of leads for them on a regular basis. For example, when we started a leads campaign through Facebook Messenger, we were able to spend $2,100 in Facebook ads and book several appointments for that. That was probably 35 appointments 
And that turned into $76,000 worth of work for the company. So that's just a good snapshot of what one campaign can do. So it was pretty powerful. And he'll be willing to spend $2,000 to get $76,000 any day. Absolutely. And I mean, that, so that number that you spend, I can, I can imagine that comes out or comes about from some testing of what, what works, you know, we're always, we, you know, what's, what's the sweet spot, what's the sweet spot of spend that's going to really get us a good return, um, that we're not spending too much more. That's giving us just a little bit more leads. Like, you know, I, I find a lot of, I hear a lot lot of clients talking about, about where they, spent a thousand dollars. It wasn't quite enough. They spent 3000. It felt like it was too high, but maybe that $2,000 range really kind of gave them or, or, or delivered in, in terms of the goals that they were looking to achieve. That's a really good point. I think one of the things I try to do is try to target a certain way of looking at budgets. And I think you try one ad one week and you see if it's working. There's a lot of different things that go into whether or not an ad will work. It has to do with the visuals that you're using and the keywords you're using. A lot of times if it's not so much of a sales message, but just something everyone can applaud, maybe a happy message. I think those are the things that can really drive and make your ad more successful sometimes. But in general, one of the things that can really help is just being able to really fine tune your target market. One of the strategies we're able to implement for Pro One Painters is we're actually doing a campaign right now of we're painting in your neighborhood. So through Facebook advertising and micro-targeting, I'm able to put a little pin drop of the houses that we're painting at right now and spread a one mile radius mark around those homes in that area so we can say, hey, have you seen our sign? That is going to be more successful to those people who see that ad. Absolutely. And so, I mean, it kind of goes some, something that I intend to hit on later, but we're, we're in it now. There, anytime you do these campaigns or you do these monthly spends, there's no set it and forget it. You, for you, it's about what what kind of response are we getting? And, and so I want to go even further and ask you how how soon after you set a campaign are you looking at how it's responding? But that's that just shows the importance of we we need to be aware of you know wh- what kind of work we're doing right now. What kind of leads are we looking to generate? What and where where's the work happening so that we can be making effective decisions about how we're spending the money that month. That's right. Uh, It's really important to really target that customer audience. Another strategy I've used for another roofing client that I have is I have taken all of their roofing projects and the addresses of those and names and phone numbers of those client list and actually created a client list as a a custom audience on Facebook. And the custom audience is only people who spent 10,000 or more on a roof. So the audience list then allows us to create a lookalike audience. 
So what Facebook will do is find out what attributes, which they won't share with us exactly what those mm -hmm. attributes are in common, but they have the attributes of that audience that we've uploaded that are actually true customer list. And if we have their, their names and phone numbers and email address, Facebook can match them up with their accounts and find a lookalike audience. So it gets pretty complicated. And one thing, Molly, just to answer your question about how often I check, I will start an ad. I typically restart all of my ads for my clients on Monday. And if I don't see action by Wednesday, I'm taking that ad down and starting something new. And usually I try to run an ad for four to five days. And then even if it's successful, I pause it or stop it and start it again. But one of the things to know is that Facebook makes it really easy to advertise on Facebook, but not effectively. They have that boost button right there for every owner to see. It's like, well, how about if I just, I can do this, I can hit this boost button. But when you do that, you're missing out on some of these really amazing targeting opportunities that are allowing you behind the scenes to really pinpoint who you want to be your next customer. So now we've obviously, you know, dived into the power of the social media world and, you know, specifically being Facebook. We know that there are a lot of platforms out there. You might, I think from prior conversation for you, Facebook is a really strong point as to where you spend a lot of advertising money. Um, so we're, we're, and you know, that connects to Instagram because they're owned by the, they're both owned by Facebook. So we're going to spend most of this conversation kind of in that Facebook world. Um, but what you just said there, there's the boost and then there's the ads. And so can you clarify with us when you should boost and when you should be actually doing a Facebook advertisement? Absolutely. They, um, the boost is important when you want anyone who currently likes your page to see that piece of content. Facebook doesn't normally show your ads any longer to you people who just like your page unless you happen to get the keywords right or something they're looking for is in that realm. But if you boost it, it's going to show it automatically to your audience that likes your page. The other thing to really know is that there's not a whole lot of difference between a boost and an ad in the ads manager that you create. Once you create even a boosted post, it starts to show up in the ads manager. So you could edit the ad in that location and then have all these extra bells and whistles and targeting opportunities in that. If you're boosting it from your device or your your phone, for example, you're only going to see a handful of the options to target. So it will let you do target area or age and gender sometimes, but all of the real detail, like a neighborhood creating a custom audience and a lookalike audience or creating a targeted micro list, all that has to happen inside the desktop version of Facebook. So does it, does it make sense if you're to be boosting, if you're doing a post about your team and, and the company culture and, and showing, you know, out and about in the community, just like the, like the, the, the company personality, maybe we're, we're boosting those posts so that the people who like us, you know, can, who have liked our page can see what we're up to. 
and then you're using your advertising spend or or your retar- the more specific Facebook ads more f- for generating new new leads of, cl- of people who don't know you quite yet. That's absolutely right. That is a good description of how to look at those two different types of advertising options. There's even ways that now this is again some of those special tricks on how to target your audience on a Facebook ad. But if you're creating an ad and you want to let people know a specific group of people that maybe just watched your video, you can create a custom audience on Facebook. All the people who just interacted with your last ad or your last boost who saw your post. And that is very powerful because you can say, okay, these people just clicked on this. I want to show them this now. So some of that gets kind of complicated and it's one of those things that you don't use very often, but that is where it really has become an art and a science to get the right posts. And, you know, I know we're talking a lot about Facebook and Instagram here. Whenever you create that ad in Facebook ads manager, it will also appear in Instagram if you have an Instagram page. So that's important to know. It's almost, it's like a two for one price when you're running a Facebook campaign. There's no reason not to just show it to Instagram also. But I also wanted to make a point about Google because Google is also very powerful and it has also gotten very complex. So a Google ads expert is important to manage those ads as well, really to get the most out of your money and the most value for your marketing dollars. Yeah, I feel like there's so much untapped potential for those who, for small businesses who, who aren't utilizing this space and, or, or aren't aware of the complexities of this space and how you can really stretch your dollars and with, with some really strategic, you know, marketing campaigns that, and retargeting of, of tools that exist. I mean, this is why I love doing podcasts because every time I sit down with somebody, I learn something new and I've already learned several things just from this conversation, Deb. So I personally appreciate it. Uh, but it also shows us to why, you know, the importance of of having a social media consultant or a Google ads consultant, because this is your job. This is, you are, you are in it every day. You're seeing it with multiple different companies. You're staying on top of the trends. And that's for for small businesses, it's really the only way for them to stay on top of it is if they have an expert in the field who's helping them out. Right. It's like some of the other specialties in your company, like when you've got a human resources mm-hmm. specialty or a legal requirement, you've got to pull in the, the people that understand those complex issues and the laws around it. It's similar to making your advertising effective is getting someone on the job that knows what they're doing. Now, going back to like the, to the effectiveness, how, you know, we, we, we've talked a little bit about where we're wanting to spend our money, you know, Facebook being one of those places from a social media perspective, how often are you recommending that we're posting on our pages uh, in a weekly timeframe for us to be seen? And of course the boosting and the ads are, are a part of that, but What's, what's like that special number that, that you're working with? You know, it really does depend on the company and quality is important. Quality over quantity is important. However, I would put a minimum post per week at three posts per week. 
for a company, really of any type of company, if you put, it gets to the point where the time it takes to create those posts becomes not as necessary as the money you put behind it. So if you're going to post three times a week, I would plan on running ads or boosts for each of those posts, like write them in a way that they make sense to also become an ad. And that saves you some time. But if you don't post very often, people will check you out and they won't have as much information to see when they visit your page. So you want to have quite a bit of recent content. I see that there are some companies that have so much going on, so many crews in the field, so many great opportunities to post. They are successful at five times a week. But even daily is, is the appropriate time for someone. You know, if you're in the restaurant business or a real retail business that needs the crowds to come to the store every day, that is multiple times per day. But for the contracting business where I'm mostly working, I just wanted to clarify that. It does depend on the industry you're in. That's a great, that's a great. For, yeah, for contractors or for, you know, people in consulting fields, three to five posts a week seems to be the right amount. And of these types of posts, are are you recommending a mix of, you know, static photos versus videos or one over the other, you know, more engaging? That's a great question. Videos are so powerful right now, not just because it's what we all want to see, it's what we gravitate to, but it's also prioritized by Facebook. So when you're looking at a video, Facebook's going to show you more videos. I don't know if you've noticed that it kind of takes you to more videos. Um, yes, the, the traps that you can fall down into. <laughs> yes, everything to keep people on the platform longer is yep. what they think about. Yep. Um, but even for advertising, if you are building traffic to your website or building an engagement ad where you want people to interact with a post, the cheapest ads to run are with a video ad on Facebook. So that's the most cost effective of, as well. But definitely when you're pulling together your content, I would make sure you have authentic information and authentic content. Take real pictures. If you don't have anything, the office dog works as a great picture. Um, the crews out with their shirts on or picture of your vehicles with the sign on it, anything that shows that you're real part of the community is a great thing to take pictures of. And if folks don't have enough of those images, I recommend taking a day with someone who's good at photography with you and take a bunch of those images that could be stock images for any sort of post in the future. That's a, that's a great uh, recommendation. I, I forget who I was speaking to, um, but it, it was a client whose idea was to bring in uh, a professional photographer or someone who had professional photography background to teach a handful of the team how to take good photos from the angle to be at to what lighting to look for, just to give some of the the employees in, in the field some recommendations on how to approach taking photos. And of course, I think the, uh, there was obviously some, you know, some reward or development items for as, as a thank you for taking those those pictures in the field. 
Um, but to give people, to give people the tools to know what's a good photo versus not so that if, if you don't, if you don't have the spend to, to allocate for a professional photographer to come in a couple times a month and take photos, how can you empower some of your team members to be able to take decent photos? The iPhone can take some great shots these days. We just need to know what's the right angle to take it from. That's a great suggestion. I think it just knowing what's some thoughts and tricks to keep in mind are just so important. So videos, though, it sounds like videos win over, over, over photos in general, but we obviously want to have, Mm -hmm. have both now in terms of, you know, that call to action on, on the post that we see, are we looking to drive people more so to the company website? Are we looking to maybe just engage with them on, on Facebook? I know it can probably depend upon what we're looking to get out of that particular ad, but what are you seeing most often? That is an excellent question, Molly. What I like to recommend is that people don't try to change their process tremendously when they start an ad campaign. If right now they're driving people to the form on their website or to the phone call, I, I like to keep it there. So we would create an ad campaign to drive people to that form on your website or to make that phone call. However, if you've got the money in your budget to have a team in place um, to do Facebook Messenger, those ads have been very successful too. But you have to be able to respond to those messages within two or three hours, even over the weekends. So that's where it gets challenging for a lot of businesses. My company does offer a responder team that responds to all of the Facebook comments and messages 24-7. And that's an additional cost for us, but we only charge when the lead is booked as an appointment. So it's really based on how successful the campaign is and how many actual appointments were booked. So that makes it affordable from that standpoint. So it's important, you know, that depending upon the call to action that you're setting up, that if you're driving people to the website or you're driving to engage with them on Facebook from like a fa- the messenger component, that you are responding, that they're you're not leaving people hanging. How does that translate over to if if, if a if a customer, not a customer, a potential person, potential potential customer responds or uh, tags you in a comment on Facebook on a, a photo that you that you posted and asks a question. We obviously want to want to respond to that person because we want to be engaging with them. But I would assume that there's a there's less of an urgency in needing to jump on that because it's it's a it's a comment on a static static post. Is that correct? True, although if you've got someone interested enough to look at your post and make a comment, for example, sometimes they'll ask, what color is that? I love that color. You want to try to respond as quickly as possible because they'll see that you're a company that responds and that cares and that's paying attention. It's true. But it's very important to respond right away. I think it's just important to make sure whatever your processes are, that you do have good follow up so that you know when somebody has filled out that form on your website and you get it right away and that someone's in touch with them right away. At least during the first business hours, you know, right. the next 
time you're open. And that's a, that's a good point. And that, that reminds you, you, it brings you right back to the values. If one of your values, if your company values is responsiveness or, you know, customer service, you want to be jumping on, on any type of post or any type of engagement that a potential customer is bringing to the table. Now, going back to uh, that set it and forget it thing that I mentioned earlier, we don't want to set it and forget it. We want to be utilizing, you know, really effective use of of the money that we're spending. And so you were saying if by Monday, if by Wednesday, the post or the campaign that you put up on Monday isn't really driving traffic, you're making a change. And what have you seen, what, what has caused, or do you think has caused some of those campaigns to not work um, versus others? Are there any any red flags that just in your time of doing this, you're like, I've tried that about 10 different times now, and that just doesn't seem to work? You know, I think most of the time, it is something that's sort of random, and it has to do with the different keywords or things that are going on with Facebook at the time. There are a lot of different things I can check to redefine the targeting or maybe change the age range. Sometimes if it's not working, it can be a simple mistake. Like I forgot to include a certain neighborhood or I forgot to include something. But for the most part, it is sort of at the mercy of what Facebook's doing that week and what's happening in that space. There's a lot of competition, especially this time of year, for different stores selling their products right now. So that makes the cost for branding sorts of ads and contractor ads to go up. It, you have to spend a little more to get the same return. But the, mis, um, the major tweaks that you can do are just trying a little bit different targeting for this particular time frame. And you also mentioned if something was something, if a certain campaign was doing well, you might stop it and restart it. Is what's what's the advantage of doing that? I honestly feel like you just don't want to waste your money. If if a campaign works last week and generated twenty messages, and this week the same campaign is not generating anything, I would turn it off and look at changing the creative, but there's also other clues you can get at. Facebook shares thousands of different statistics, but there are a couple different metrics I look at as far as the frequency that your ad has been shown, the amount of responsiveness, how popular the ad is. Facebook shares that detail about each ad you run, so it helps you know what to do different next time. So if we if we pull back a little bit and think about, you know, going into this next year and how you are approaching social media and marketing strategy for your clients in 2022, what are what are the trends that you are anticipating? Uh, what are the like the top three recommendations that you would give to our listeners kind of in this space as out of how to really take advantage of their of their social media spend? Thank you for that question. That's a very timely question this time of year. I think what we need to do is look forward to the changes that are coming in the media space. Right now, Facebook does have seventy five percent of the population. But there's a lot of little video type apps that are starting to get more popular. 
sure you've heard of TikTok. And mm-hmm. those are little small video clips that are just short videos. And Instagram has reels that are just short reels are just 30 seconds or less. So think about how you could capture some 30 seconds of video. Think of it even as 10 seconds of video. Maybe it's just your company president waving with a big smile or something that's short that shares the values of your company. I do think capturing video is one of the strongest things you can do to as a stockpile of content you can reuse in the future. But I definitely would start, would continue spending money on Facebook while as long as there's 75% of the online Americans on Facebook and that hasn't changed. Uh, Even with the influxes and uh, fluctuations of the last several years, people are still on Facebook. It's one of those habits that we can't can't kick. So we're, we're still on there statistically, um, in large numbers. And until one of the other platforms gains some of that market share, I definitely think Google is still the place to spend when it comes to search engine advertising, and Facebook's still the place to, to spend when it comes to social media right now. Until we have to be ready to adapt for the, uh, the next new platform that... There's probably there's gotta be one coming. Facebook, I don't think, can live for forever. There's uh that's right. As soon as I think people have figured out Facebook and learned how to take advantage of all its marketing capabilities, there'll be a new one that pops up. You can count on it. It's changing every day. <laughs> it is changing every day. And again, that goes back to why, you know, folks like you are so important because how how else are folks like me supposed to know what's going on in the social media world and how to take advantage of all the opportunity that there is. Now you, you talked about video. So I just want to ask what are your thoughts on YouTube? Will, will YouTube continue to gain, you know, a, a level of popularity from a marketing standpoint? Yes. And that is a, another good point. When you think of Google advertising and search engine marketing, you, Google owns YouTube. And Facebook mm. owns Instagram. So Google is also a good way to, you can always add those videos that you're creating into an ad on YouTube to make a very good campaign. YouTube is a high volume platform as well. And it's definitely one to continue to be visible on. I would definitely do that. I would have any videos that you create that are educational in nature or even just showcasing your company, I would upload them to your a YouTube channel and make sure they're visible. It almost goes back to, you know, really knowing your demographic as well, because obviously there's probably a, from a lot of our clients, there's a spread of their demographic, you know, their, of their, their customer base. Um, but some of us are more inclined to be on Facebook or maybe TikTok and are seeing those things versus a later generation. They might be, you know, more inclined to find you on YouTube or, or those educational videos. I mean, I know so many people who search in the, in YouTube, how to do this or how to do that. YouTube has really become such an instructional, it's, it's an instructional, instructional manual. I'm not saying that correctly, but there's so much out there that we can learn from YouTube. You know, speaking of Kevin Nolan, uh, 
CEO of Nolan Painting, he has he Googles or he he Googles everything in or it puts into YouTube anything from a how-to perspective and teaches himself how to do 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 the things from a passion project to a home a home project. Um, so knowing where your where your customer is spending time and making making sure you're you're effectively utilizing those different resources is key. You know, you said something there, Molly, that spoke to me because when you think about just what we're conversation, our conversation today about social media, there are people in the painting business have information that I don't have about what I need to put on my walls and what sorts of antimicrobial features are part of the paint or some of the different aspects that I don't know that maybe I should know before I even hire a painting contractor. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some things I need to ask when someone comes. Um, there is so much, um, so much knowledge that needs to be shared that could be shared to your advantage. And YouTube's a great platform for that. And YouTube also gets a huge market share. I believe it's even over Facebook, it's 78% of the public is watching YouTube which is a pretty amazing statistic, but it also means that we need to keep our budget there. But even with that, like we said before, just to kind of bring it all back, we spent a third of our marketing budget on digital marketing. I would split that in half and spend half of that on Facebook and half of it on Google, and you'd be well positioned in the next year. For your budget. Well, I think that's a perfect spot to to leave it there, Deb. I, I, you know, I've in my head taken a list of some of my takeaways. Um, you know, a third of spend should be kind of on digital to be not. It, there's no set it and forget it from from your campaigns. Video is key. Uh, the difference between between boosting and the ads and when when to do it, I think, is a really critical piece of, of of information that we don't um, always know and just to just to have these little little pieces of wisdom that we can leave these conversations with um, are really great so, so thank you for sharing thank you it's been fun to be here wonderful well Deb we will look to have you on in the future and in the meantime I wish you uh, a great holiday season and going into 2022 I hope that for your clients as well that it is a successful wrap up to the end of the year Thank you so much. Thank you. To learn more about Content Fresh or to connect with Deb, visit www.contentfresh.com or send her an email, deb at contentfresh.com. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.